The By the Hood podcast is brought to you by Discover Your Options. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with the Discover Your Options bootcamp, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. Go to By the Hood University and click on the link for Discover Your Options to receive the code for 60% off the bootcamp. That's right, 60% off. Remember, go to Buy the Hood University, look at Discover Your Options, and get 60% off. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast and webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every episode, that's with gratitude. just want to say thank you to um, everybody out there that supports everything we do. All of our listeners, students at By the Hood University, we want to say send a special shout out to you guys. Um, just all the support we got. Um, everybody who subscribed to our YouTube channel, who listens on Apple Podcasts, thank you to everybody that helps this mission because um, it's, it's greater than either one of us. Um, I do want to uh, ask you guys if you're watching on YouTube or if you, someone shared this video with you, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're trying to step our game up on YouTube. We're going to start releasing content on a daily basis. So we're trying to build this YouTube platform out. So make sure you subscribe. If you happen to be listening to the podcast, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash by the hood and subscribe to the channel and share those videos. But I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Corey Core. What's good, bro? Nothing, man. You know, living and breathing, man. I'm out here in the pitch black and the in the um and the thing. I'm gonna take these glasses off because it's it's dark as hell out here, man. So you know. Listen. We gotta get the work in any way we can, man. We gotta put this work in, man. You did. Yeah. Um, no, this is a this is a, many loaded looks out here. Yeah, <laughs> he gonna get this work. Listen, this is a very special episode. Um, because we're we have a team on now. I know you're probably looking at this video like this isn't a normal platform. We're using a different platform because we want to make sure that we highlight multiple people from this organization, right? This is a powerful organization. I, I follow what they have going on online, and it's very impressive to me because these are brothers who are building something powerful together. Um, and I want to welcome on the gentleman from Bro Capital. We got the brother Ross Hassan, and we have Terrence White in the building. What's up, gentlemen? How are you? Hello, man. How y'all feeling? Yeah. Oh, man. Listen, man, we're doing amazing, man. Um. You guys are, are, are two out of a whole collective, and what you guys are building is very, very impressive, and we have to highlight that. And we couldn't just have one of you on. We had to have at least two of you on to kind of talk about what you're building and, and, and what this journey looks like, man. So, Ross, I want to start with you because you are one of the founders of Bro Capital. Um, and before we actually get to talking to Terrence, give us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where are you born and raised? And um, what's your education look like? Okay. Uh, originally from Cleveland, Ohio, southeast side. Um, but, of course, you know, like many of my peers, my my roots are from the southeast of the United States. Really, uh, my mom's side of the family is from Tuskegee, Alabama. So a lot of my family's history takes place in Tuskegee. And, and you know, if anybody knows anything about Tuskegee with, uh, you know, George Washington Carver, Booker T. Washington, and even with the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, um, that all of that was was heavy in my upbringing, you know, from a do for self type perspective. My grandfather was a farmer um, in Tuskegee. And so just, you know, what I'm saying having that pride 
And then um, I went to gifted and talented, you know, high school and middle school or whatever. And so, you know, uh, from there was able to go to Morehouse College and um, was originally an economics major, but I took an intro to sociology course and fell in love with, you know, the everything that they were teaching and totally just, you know, kind of understood that I was studying sociology my entire life um, and all the questions that I had been asking and, and wanted answers for kind of were really being, you know, broken down in this intro to sociology course. And so that was, that was, um, that, that was pivotal for me. And that kind of led to my, my approach to entrepreneurship always been, you know, entrepreneurial minded, right? My first venture was water and flowers for one of my neighbors. And then I kind of had a, uh, not even kind of had, I had a landscape operation by the time I was like 17. I had maybe 20 yards across the city, you know what I'm saying? As a 17 year old living at home um, and able to have 20 yards at, you know, average $20 a pop, you feel me? I'm I'm doing my own thing, setting my own hours. Um, and so that kind of was, that was major for me in, in terms of my journey. But fast forward, graduated from Morehouse, and um, some of my friends actually introduced me to Forex right before I had graduated. And so we started diving into technical analysis and we, we understood that we were experts, but we wanted to uh, just share with our younger selves, right? Our 13 year old, 14 year old self, what we had learned. And um, that, that also led to starting an education or financial literacy program for Morehouse Feeder Program, but it kind of ended up getting cut out fast forward right um graduate i'm back at home in cleveland ohio and uh you know recently graduated so my classmate hit me up he's like hey man i'm building this company um i'm looking for some you know i'm in an accelerator but i needed a partner to go into this accelerator right can you come out and you know can you work on this thing with me i'm like yeah sure enough um and that, that my partner was darius quarles uh and so we were you know, we moved to Kentucky, um, got into entrepreneurship, startup business, business startup, lean startup methodology, business model canvas, the whole nine, pitching across the country, like literally across the country. Um, and so like, you know, fresh out of college, I really cut my teeth as an entrepreneur in terms of, you know, just, uh, you know, iterative modeling, rapid design, rapid iteration, all of that, um, customer centered design, all of that. And, um, but of course, no matter how much science I had, no matter how cold we were on the pitching side, we always encountered that inherent bias from the tradi traditional venture capitalist space. And so mm -hmm. that was, you know, how we led to Bro Capital because they would always ask us, so how much have you raised in your friends and family round? And we like, you know, friends and family round, like, what's, you know, what's that about, right? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, but we would be at these different places and we would hear about guys who had lost 25,000 or lost 250K and then they, you know, were able to get investors to give them 500K next time because of everything that they had learned and so on and so forth. And we were just amazed every time, like, wow, y'all really blew 250K let alone, you know, we're able to get somebody else to give you another 250K. Uh, so that kind of lent into the name of Bro Capital, right? That friends and family round, being able to uh, give entrepreneurs a boost who had already validated uh, that initial premise, right? And we're really just looking to scale out. Because we both know 
as a barber, right, you could be cutting heads at the house, but you need that capital infusion to get that barbershop so that you can have other people doing it, right? Essentially, you know, to scale up. And so that's where we we decided that Bro Capital would be a, a viable solution to that um, is us being able to pull our resources, right? Pull our capital, primarily financial capital. And then of course, even if you're starting a business, you still need other people and strategic partnerships and resources to make that thing shape. So um, having a network of not only consumers, right, who may be interested in purchasing your product, but having individuals within a network who can contribute to producing and delivering this value of your product. Uh, and so that's where Bro Capital also has a cooperatively owned and operated model because it was important for us to make sure that that equity which I had learned about at 17 years old, cutting that grass, right? That time, freedom, that equity and creative control were two of the main things. And so it was like, you know, treating people the, the way you want to be treated. And so I'm like, man, if I'm really bringing people into this business and we're really developing this thing out, we must make it, you know, egalitarian from that standpoint. It must be well, uh, well, unilateral. Let me ask you a question. The model that you guys have, is it is the, it the same, same model you've always had? Yeah, it is the same model we've always had. Yep, yep. Uh, we came out the gate understanding that cooperative ownership is important. And that's, you know, a central part of our ethos going back to, you know, before the camera started rolling, we were talking about um, when it's not about the money, it's easy to turn down checks, right? So when it's not, so for us, it's not about the money. So it's easy for us to bypass venture capital in this space. It's easy for us to... Uh, not make it something to where we at the top, everybody else at the bottom, and we just eating off everybody, right? A bro capital wasn't even originally meant to be a business. It was originally meant to be sort of a business type of fraternity, uh, a membership-based organization. But we quickly realized okay, that, okay. you know, in order to have a viable organization, right, that we were going to have to generate revenue somehow. Um, and so, you know, we decided to, right, create an organization that was centered around the value of membership and then, of course, you know, we were able to sell membership into the organization. But from day one, everything has been um, cooperatively owned and operated. Shout out to me even having a co-founder, right, and, and two other co-founders that, uh, that you know, it was developed with. It wasn't a, a solo effort. So so that bro ethos is really Who are your two co-founders? Let's just make sure so we get them a shout out. Who are the two co-founders with you? Um, my two co-founders got a shout out to bro Darius Quarles uh, from the south side of Chicago. We met at Morehouse in uh, 2010, actually, uh, Ghana. <laughs> we were, went to um, Ghana together uh, as our first time out the country. So, and we kind of built rapport from there. But we ended up taking an entrepreneurship course in 2013 that led to the call that got me down to uh, Kentucky Building Business. And then also shout out to my bro, uh, Brian B. Dub Williams. Um, I met B-Dub at Morehouse. I, I was an English tutor and um, B-Dub was one of the students who would come in and, you know what I'm saying, get his writing tailored. And we kind of just developed a friendship and a rapport from, you know, him coming in and getting A's on his papers after, you know, um, we, we went over him. So shout out to B-Dub. Um, both, both went to Morehouse. So, so the three founders of Bro Capital went to Morehouse College. Morehouse, man. I heard that. I heard that. Um, yeah. and, and also, man, we got to make sure that we bring Terrence on. Terrence came around a little bit later. So how far down the line after the bro capital was established, did you, uh, come aboard Terrence? Yeah, I came uh, aboard probably about 
less than a year later in 2017 yeah. because bro capital first had his you know his founding in, in, in october of 2016 and then i came on in the q1 of 2017 so you know right when you know I, you know I, I really heard that they was getting things going you know shout out to my line brother you know mike malcolm clyburn um you know introducing me to the bros well i already knew the bros from morehouse because i'm also a morehouse man right but introducing me to the concept i was like yo let's run it and then that's when i came on board there in 2017 and i've been rocking with the bros since. all right terrence we gotta we gotta go back up just for a second with you and tell everybody your background where you from originally where'd you go to school because um for those out here listening or watching terrence is living breathing black history man we're gonna get into that a little bit but tell us about um your upbringing where are you from man so i was born in durham north carolina um, and my roots and, you know, Roz can, you know, you know, speak upon this as well, because his he has similar roots as well. My roots is coming straight from Haiti. Um, Haiti, if you all familiar with Haiti, is uh, one of the, you know, the original Black Wall Streets that was kind of centered here in Durham, um, a collection of communities, more specifically a black community of a collection of businesses, vibrant businesses that was pretty much had created that that blueprint of economic sustainability here in Durham. Um, so my grandma was born, was raised in Haiti. She moved here when she was, you know, just an infant and, you know, pretty much spent majority of her life here. Um, came out, came out of um, Durham, lived here for the first eight years of my life. Um, then my father, he moved us to um, Virginia for a little bit. So Lynchburg, Virginia, spent some time there. And then I was really um, made in, in the Bay Area, California, um, in Fairfield, California. Um, I moved out there when I was about 13, um, spent, you know, all of my high school time there um, and then made my way to Atlanta, Georgia to go to Morehouse. Um, and really, it, it was a unique journey to kind of get me to Morehouse. Um, you know, coming out of, you know, high school, I was, you know, number three in my, my class. I, I pretty much could have went anywhere um, in the nation. Um, I had a congressional nomination to go to West Point. Um, had full ride to go to Howard. You know, I had you know rides to go to Duke, Carolina, pretty much all the UDs in California. Um, but it was really my pastor, uh, Pastor Claiborne Lee, um, who was also a Morehouse man, who who really, really was like, "Yo, I want you to check out Morehouse." And um, I'm not gonna lie, when I first went to go visit the house, you know. Stepping on that campus, I was my mom kind of messed up. She messed up because she sent me over to Georgia Tech at first. Uh, sent me over to Georgia Tech, so I'm looking at all those amenities, and then you know I go to the to, to the house, and I'm like, okay, mom, uh, you know I, I have the opportunity to go here, but you know you 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 <laughs> you, you you telling me that you, know, I need to, you know focus on here because you know when when you really step onto you know Morehouse campus, actually, and, and, and really look at it. From coming from a perspective of of going and seeing all the technology and all the amenities from you know a, a PWI such Georgia Tech, it kind of screws your mindset a little bit. But you know, I want to just give a major shout out to my you know my pastor again to to really instill that spirit, right? That spirit of the Morehouse mystique into me before I even was really enrolled in there to really change my lens. And it was one night where I was like, "Yo, my I need another flight. Go back out there." And she caught, she gave me a red eye. We went back out there. I stepped on that campus again. I was like, nah, this is where I need to be. Um, so I ended up going to Morehouse, uh, majored in uh, physics and mathematics. Um, and then right after that, 
um, end up going to Duke and becoming the first African-American to graduate um, with my uh, my master's in BME. Um, and, yeah, you know, I just want to I just want to make sure we highlight that because, you know, this is this is 2020. Right. So and the first black person went to Duke, what, 50 years ago. Right. Mm hmm. And undergrad. Yeah. First so out of any. Class, yeah. 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 So but you're the first African-American or black man, I should say, to graduate from that program in Duke's history. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, masters in BME. That's amazing, that's amazing, man. Congratulations. Um, and salute tell, to you. Tell, for that. tell the people what BME, tell, tell the people what BME means. So BME is uh biomedical engineering. Um, so it's taking the biomedical sciences and connecting it to you know the you know the aspects of engineering. Um I'm currently still in that field, um, uh, more specifically in uh regenerative medicine, um and tissue engineering. Um, so yeah, that's where we that's where we rock. Oh, man. That's amazing, man. That that's that's definitely dope, man. So, and you said you came aboard Bro Capital when you saw what they were building, and you knew them. You you know you're Morehouse man, and you saw what happened. You jumped aboard right away, and you know you've been rocking ever since, right? Yeah, man. I've been rocking ever since, man. And and, and really, like 2017 was was really just a unique time for me. Um, you know, I didn't really go into depth about you know more on the aspect of my background and and how. You know, I was kind of caught into, you know, the intersectionality and of, um, you know, living in different cultures. And, you know, I gave a little bit of background of how I moved to different cities, um, experienced different cultures. But I didn't necessarily hone in on the fact that, you know, my parents really raised me to live in that duality. And what I mean by that duality is that um, growing up, I was really always only the black kid, you know, in my class, in my neighborhoods. I grew up in the suburbs. But my parents always made sure I was in the inner cities, whether it was inner city sports, whether my friend groups, my circles, my social circles outside of academics was always in the inner city. Um, in high school, I was, you know, the only black kid in AP classes. So, you know, come lunchtime, you know, I had to say bye to my homies and I had to go to class. You feel me? And I really didn't only got to see them during lunch or, you know, on that sports. Field. You know, I played basketball, baseball. And football growing up. So I, I always had to kind of straddle both worlds. And it wasn't really until, you know, I went to Morehouse. And this was really another reason why I went to Morehouse, because I really wanted to finally be able to embed myself, not only just on the, the social construct and, and on the, um, the quote unquote, the sports world with my people, but I wanted to, to study with my people. I wanted to get that, that academic viability with my people, right? Morehouse was the first chance that I got there. And then going back, going to Duke after Morehouse, I found myself back in that 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 middle ground of, of straddling both worlds uh, where I'm, I'm in classes. I'm, I'm on a campus where it's not, you know, a lot of people that look like me that, you know, that think like me, that's, you know, you know, embedded in the same cultural aspects that I'm in on an academic side. Right. But I was spending most of my time in North Carolina Central. Um, I am a part of Omega Psi Phi. So I was over there with my brothers from Tossai, you know, every day after class. Right. Just so I can just feel how, how difficult was that, though? How difficult was that when you're as accomplished as you are? Obviously, you're a bright young man, but that 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 culture difference and, and, and having yeah. to study with folks that don't look like you. How difficult was that for you? Man, it was difficult. 
it was definitely difficult. Definitely, you know, being at Duke, man. And it's it's um, let me just say this: Duke has has really come a long way. And you know, because I was able to kind of pave that path at Duke, they they start to see, you know, the, the experiences that you know black students experience there, man. There was there was times where, you know. I wasn't really accepted into, you know, study groups. I didn't really get those resources that, you know, that was afforded to, a, you know, a lot of students um, because of my differences. Man, I, I remember specifically one time I, I went and uh, it was, I was taking a neuroscience class and I was asking, you know, we had study groups for this. And I was like, hey, y'all, y'all about to, you know, have a study group tonight. And it was like, uh, we might we're going to let you know. Right. So it's, it's coming around, you know, about you know 8 p.m., 9 p.m. I'm here in the chat. I'm like, yo, are y'all meeting up to study? Um, nobody's responding. So I'm like, all right, I'm about to just go study on my own. I go to the library and I run into study, the study group and they have pretty much everything outlined on the board. Right. So it's, it's uh, stuff like that. Right. It, 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 it's, 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 it's things like that, man. And then also. You know, there was some times, some instances where, you know, I'm, I'm going trying to get some help from, you know, the TA or trying to get some help from a professor or whatnot. And, you know, one time one of the professors told me was like, yo, where, where did you go to school? You should know this stuff. Right. And I'm like, I thought you was my teacher. You supposed to be teaching me this. Right. That's why I'm here. And he's expecting me to, to, to already kind of know that. So it's it's certain little little things like that that I had to kind of navigate through, man. But you know, going through that stuff and going through that journey, man, it, it only made me stronger and it and it prepared me to step into corporate America and be able to, you know, navigate some of the similar, you know, instances in that manner, man. But it was it was difficult, but it was a, it was a fun journey. I wouldn't change it for the world, man. And I'm just glad I was able to build that bridge for others like me to come through. And for Duke to honest, honestly recognize, you know, some of the inequities that they may have from a cultural standpoint that don't make, you know, the environment conducive for people like us, right? So, yeah, I, I wanna, I, you know, I, I want to do, I do want to give a shout out for Duke that they do recognize that, and they have been working since I've been there, graduated in 2015, to to fix some of those cultural things. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, first off, man, just want to salute you for that because, like, you, you know, that that's history right there, and you should be proud of yourself. And a lot of people will be better off because of you having that experience. But um, that's that's an interesting story right there, man. So um, let's talk about bro capital, right? Mm -hmm. So you come aboard, um, Ross. Let's go back to you for a second. Could you explain to our listeners and our viewers? What exactly is Bro Capital? We talk a lot about Bro Capital um, and, and what you guys are building. And again, um, I want to salute all of you because it's impressive to me to see brothers. You know, um, I didn't know all you guys were Morehouse men, but uh, just to uh, see you guys so build. Like, yeah, we do have many more bros who are uh, who are not Morehouse men, but like Morehouse is a major part of our story, right? Shout out to the founders being Morehouse men, and we were building this thing out from a relationship, you know who do you know type of standpoint, it was real easy to call up the bros from Morehouse who we know will be able to contribute. And of course, you know, we'll see the vision in black men coming together, right? Because that was just the yeah. experience we had all just came from. So um, to answer your question, man, bro capital from an elevator pitch standpoint, right, uh, is the world's first cooperatively owned and operated financial technology company 
specifically designed to improve the financial wellness of black men. That's Thanks. hard. <laughs> so, right. Yo, that's hard and, as a bag of rocks. God, <laughs> yeah. So, but, but but what I love about it is like um we don't see these stories of black men building together. Like you'll see tons tons of stories about us like you know tearing each other down, um yeah. and doing and doing negative things to each other. But um you know I've seen some of the things you guys are are doing and and how you guys work together and it's very impressive. Which is why when I was talking to Ross about coming on, we were saying hey let's you know bring another bro on or some bros on because um. What you guys are doing is amazing. So another thing I like about it is in talking to you, Ross, is when you talk about capital, it's not just financial capital. Could you explain what you mean by capital? Oh, certainly, man. Um, it's funny. I was watching a, a, a Netflix documentary a couple of days ago about money, and it was breaking down. It said uh, capital is anything that you can use to accomplish your goals, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, right? And, you know, to get from one end to the next end and oftentimes right money is the most uh the, one of the easier vehicles to do that you know what i'm saying um and to get from point a to point b but we also know that you know a handshake can get you from point a to point b or a good idea can get you from point a to point b so thinking about it in terms of um everything that we bring together and, and bro capital was inspired by you know, one of the most commonly known sacred spaces for black men, which is the barbershop. And so creating a space to where all of those good ideas, to where all of this capital, all of these resources, all of this money, you know, that we spend can be put together for a particular goal, for, you know, for a desire end. And that's really what we are, is really creating that framework um, that structure so that black men can collaborate to get money, to improve their position, to improve their communities together. Right. And so that's where, you know, where capital meets community in the sense that we all trying to get money. Right. Because, you know, we're not fools. We understand how important money is to just life and sustainability. Right. But at the same time, making sure that this this wellness extends beyond just ourselves. Right. We want the same thing for our neighbors. Um, for our for our family and our entire community. So how do we create that? And then we really just decided that, you know, starting with black men was extremely important because we were founded in 2016 when Hillary Clinton was running for president. Black women had just been named the fastest growing entrepreneurial um, subset demographic. Right. And then, of course, beyond that, black women are the most educated uh, demographic in the United States. So black women handling a business black women doing a thing and so it's like man you know with mike brown had just been murdered um philando castile had just been murdered uh alton sterling right and so all of these brothers are in the news for this for these tragedies while black women are in the news for you know all these uh, accomplishing these major feats and not saying that these brothers brought these calamities upon themselves but we truly understood that it was time for us to come together and create spaces to where at the very, at the very least that we could talk about these things um, and, and you know, really build sustainable solutions against them, right? Because after the protesting is over, after the marchers go home, now what do we do? You know what I'm saying? What's, mm -hmm. what's, what's really going on? And so for us, Bro Capital is our sustainable resistance to, you know, 
all of the the malarkey and you know the extra stuff that's going on and just coming with the american history and american system um that's that's really what bro capital is so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to yeah that's dope and 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 you know what's interesting about what you just said is that um one of the books i read this year is a book called family wealth it's by a guy named uh, james hughes and i thought i was going to sit there and read the book it was going to be about like wills and estates and trust and one of the biggest things i took from that book was he talked about to build a family legacy you have to leave every, other things outside of financial capital mm. and he talked about um family structures and focusing so much on the financial capital that you forget these other things um mm. which are some of the things you're talking about so he says even when building a unit as a family you should focus on more than financial capital because a lot of times people are able to build up this capital financially and leave it to their kids but all they do is leave them money without leaving yep. those other things in them yep. and mm -hmm. that's why you know they say uh, it's gone within a couple of generations because of that right yeah that, 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 so, that definitely happened to my family bro where um my great-grandfather you know was a was an amazing businessman right had a whole lot of things going pass it on to his children and some of them knew how to keep it rolling some others didn't Right. And so it's kind of like I'm that third generation. So I have a little something to start with, but it's not as much as it could have been if the previous generations had been taught how to do X, Y, Z. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? That's why it's it's really important for me to, you know, give back to my youngins and shout out to uh, to Corey for imparting some knowledge into me about, you know, how to really get it out the game. And so, you know, just passing that on to the next generation and. And totally, I think this is another piece that about Bro Capital is that um, we came into the game again. My background is sociology, and so I, I wasn't a finance guy, right? I opted out of economics to study sociology, so I never built myself as a finance expert. My thing was always, you know, just sharing what I have, right? Whereas, like, I may not know everything, but I may know something that you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You may know overall more than me, but I still have this little piece that you don't know. So let me just go ahead and share that. And so for us, it was about getting that group together where we could all just exchange resources and knowledge and plugs. And you know what I'm saying? We tossing each other alley-oops all day and, and you know, creating a system to facilitate that. So for a long time, man, yeah. Bro Capital was very was very nebulous because it was just this place to where black men were just collaborating in all types of ways and you know what I'm saying making money together doing all types of things and so it's still in that vibe but we've actually um been able to pinpoint these areas more so that we can scale them up and right and create more impact and so with that being said man we've grown like never before man this this past quarter so our fiscal year starts in April and May, June, and July, man, we've had uh, the most bros come on consecutively in those months. So we had um, averaging around six bros per month that are coming on, you know, to join it. So it's it's real cool, man. It's real. Cool. Man, that's dope. And and, and let me yeah. ask you a question because it's, I mean, it sounds it sounds it sounds like you gotta go through like a you know a background check. What kind of <laughs> when people enter the bros, like you know, uh, is, is it like some secret initiation that's going on with the bros, uh, man? Like, <laughs> it's funny man it's funny because we wanted it to have that vibe right um because you know just to give you an idea jonah Berger's book contagious shout out to nipsey hustle uh around how to create a brand and a business that's going to be sticky and people want it um and you know having that element of mystique to it right early on around like you know 
we not a secret society, but we a society with secrets type of deal. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> it's really getting to a point to where we not um, you know, it's it's, it's you know, if it, we have multiple layers of membership, right? So to be a shareholding member of Bro Capital, to be a, that cooperatively owned and operated member, there's a little bit more vetting that goes into place there. But if you're joining the network as a non-shareholding member and taking advantage of, you know. The, uh, the community, the education and resources um, and just all of the capital that we've aggregated, then, you know, that's a whole nother story. But at the end of the day, even if you want to be a shareholding member, it's not a um, a process to where you got to walk on hot coal and, you know <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Terrence. What, like, so I understand that it was like, you know, you saw your Morehouse brothers building this out, but mm -hmm. um. And we know you experienced it in Duke University, but what was it about it that drew you there? And what has been your experience since becoming a bro? Man, what really, what really drew me there, man, and I was really kind of looking just for that that vessel to build and to really build community. Um, you know, coming out of Duke and then really stepping into you know corporate America, more specifically the sciences, and 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 being in those that space once again, where you know I'm looking around, I'm really one of the only ones, man. I felt times where I was just like powerless. And, you know, this was also around, you know, a lot of those times where, you know, you know, Baltimore was, you know, was burning. You was having a lot of, you know, racial and social, you know, tension that was occurring on. And, you know, I'm sitting from my place of just comfortability, um, you know, having a little bit of money in my pockets, you know, being in the pharma and biotech industry and, and really just seeing my people suffering. Right. And I'm like, yo, like I can be, you know, like the talented tent, then I can just sit here, you rip, and, and and really, you know, reap the benefits of you know capitalism, reap the benefits of you know having my masters, being in the, the biotech, you know, industry, and just turn my other head and be like, yo, that's their problem, not mine. But I always known I was like, that I'm really never gonna get respect in this place unless I can show that I can really build for my people and really build for my community. And I would never ever feel comfortable in my own skin knowing that, yo, I'm sitting up here while these people that I claim that I love, these people that look like me, these people that, you know, I've been around my entire life is, is really suffering. And I, and I was really just kind of just asking myself on the daily, like, what can I do? What I want can you to explain I do? something you just said. You just said something that's very powerful that I caught. Mm -hmm. You said that you could have because of because of the situation, the position you were put in, you could have just lived an amazing life, right? But yeah. you knew that as long as your people suffered, it didn't matter what you were able to accomplish as an individual. Just break mm -hmm. down that thought process and, and what you mean by saying that, because I think that's very powerful and also very important. Facts, man. So what I mean by that is like, so Marcus Garvey, he actually speaks on this, right? And he says that it's ignorant for the black man to fully assimilate and integrate before gaining respect of the entire body, right? And what he necessarily means by that is when we try to assimilate and when we try to come to the table with, quote unquote, the other you know races, and I say, quote unquote, the other races, because we know that race is a, a man-made concept. It's not, it's not mm -hmm. real. It's a, it's, a, it's a system of division. But when you come to, you know, that table, right, and you're trying to build with other, quote unquote, races, you know, they're not going to necessarily respect you. And the reason why they're not going to necessarily respect you is because you have not been able to create any type of system of government or any type of system of economics for your own people. 
And I really, you know, first, you know, got an instance of this when, you know, I'm in, I'm in corporate America, I'm hitting all the metrics, I'm hitting everything that they tell me to do, and I'm blowing it out the water. You know, as a black man, when you, when you step in, you got to do things five times better. And I'm blowing mm-hmm. it out the water. And I'm asking for more and more and more and more. And it got to a place where, you know, I started finding myself getting boxed in. And I wasn't getting in those positions of leadership. I wasn't getting in those positions of being, you know, a, court, a manager or, you know, a supervisor. And I'm like, yo, I, I really want these tools. And I was told, you know, if you feel like you can't get those tools that you want here, go outside and get them. Mm. Right. And to me, what that read was, what that registered to me was like, I'm not going to trust you to run our systems. And we know what we mean by our systems until you can show me you yep. can run your own. And then that's why I was like, okay, man, I need to go. I need to go. That's powerful, me. man. Woo! And, and, and I, man, that's powerful. I hope everybody watching or listening understands what this brother is laying out right here because you're absolutely correct, man. Like it doesn't matter what you can do as an individual, it's about the collective. Um, right. which is why what all you guys are doing are so well, powerful well, well, because you're coming I wanna, together. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to slow down there. It does matter what you do individually because you can't get to the point where you can help other people until you can help yourself. So he he helped himself first and then he put it. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. To help other people. But but what no, that's true. But what I'm saying is it doesn't matter because he could have helped himself, like he said, and, and just and went and ahead and turned anything. his back. And his and his For personal sure. life would have been amazing. You know what I mean? But you understand the bigger game that's being played. And I think a lot of folks in that position, um, yeah, and, you know, wouldn't wouldn't have made the decision to build. They would have turned their they would have turned their back and you know, um, just completely went about their business and looked out for self. It's a, a lot of rugged individualism uh, in our community, and and that that's problematic. So, um, man, man, yeah, yeah kudos to you cool. for understanding the bigger picture. Facts, facts, man. And definitely, man, I think what, what you're trying to hit on, man, is really just, the, you know, black capitalism, man. And, and we see a lot of instances where, you know, you know, a lot of our brothers and sisters have have gone in a such way where they use the story of the oppressed to become the oppressor of their own. And, man, that is, it's, it's whew, you know, when you, when that's you, a, that's really, heavy. When you, you know, you know, what's really you, heavy about that? What's heavy about that is a lot of people, that's what they want. They want, they, they, yeah, when they, when they, they think about what they want in life. <laughs> They're striving for, yeah. So that's heavy what you just said. Yeah, man. But when you strive for that, what change are you truly creating, man? You're not. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just becoming the thing that you hated. The thing man, that you constantly said that you was gonna, you know, you was gonna work hard to eradicate. Right. Yep. And then yep. you became so man. So so listen, so now now you guys are bringing on um a lots of bro. So what what is in the count up now? Like your organization, how many uh members are um of their um you know bro capital what's that look like now in uh 2020 so we're in august 2020 what's that look like now man um when it comes to shareholding members we are hovering right around 40 we're like a little bit over 40 so i want to say we may be like coming into 43 and i think we got 44 and 45 already on the calendar for the month of august so so yeah, man. We got to crack that uh, that that fifty threshold in a, in a second, man. Across the entire United States, um, got bros on the continent of Africa, bros in the UK. Um, shout out to one of our bros is actually in Pakistan right now. Um, oh. 
so yeah, man, from like literally from coast to coast, man, that we've got hubs, what we call hubs are places where two or more bros are living. So we've got hubs in LA, um, there, Tucson, Arizona is a hub. Tucson, shout out to Tucson is a, actually a very strong hub and shout out to the Sugar Hill neighborhood in particular. Um, Chicago is a hub, got the West side and the South side on lock. Um, Cleveland, Ohio is a hub. Shout out to my hometown. Uh, one of my bros, well, two of my bros actually from school recently joined the squad, you know, from elementary school, right? Um, they came on. So New Orleans is also a hub. Uh, the DMV is a hub. Atlanta's a hub. Um, and I want to say the Tri-State. Oh, shout out to Riley Durham, right? I'm out here leaving out T. White. Uh, yeah, we got you. Uh, shout out to uh, Chef Melody and um, Lorencio out of, out of Riley Durham. So, yeah, man, we we across the nation right now, man. And it's um, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see, man. And just the bros you know, get the value and the bros that's been on with us like T white, you feel me essentially since day one. Um, Cause it's one thing for me to tell you about, Oh, this thing is so great. And we built it up. Right. But for somebody to come on after things were somewhat already rolling, but to still, you know, come on and, and be with us from day one, man, like our retention rate, that's really one of the things I'm really proud of is that from a sociological standpoint, my thing was, how do we build an organization that, you know, really keeps people and people really see the value in it. And we're continuously, continuously creating that value and delivering that value. And, um, uh, um yeah, man, I have, I, I have a question. Um, how do you use the services of Brocap? So if I say, all right, I'm a, I'm a young black businessman, um, and I'm looking for a place to help build my business and I see the bros and I say, all right, this is a place where I want to go. Walk me through the process of helping a black business, you know, without giving away the trade secrets of how to do it. Walk me through what that process would look like. Where T.Y., do you want to take this one or you want me to, to, to tackle it? Man, you can go ahead and tackle it and then I'll tell okay. my own personal. Okay, you know, right, right, right. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know, from your from your personal story. But um, mm -hmm. so if as a black man, right, first things first is joining Bro Capital so that you can get the full benefits of Bro Capital. And I'm going to say that you are an intelligent investor. So you want the equity of the situation. You don't want to just come on, you see where bro capital is going and you're like, I want my piece, right? So uh, first and foremost, you join bro capital. The next thing is, right, we get you automating your cash reserve fund. So essentially we've had bros who, um, and, and that's really one of that's one of our primary services is allowing you to build up that cash reserve, because, of course, the data says that, you know, 70 plus percent of millennials and it's even higher for black millennials um, and particularly black men don't have enough cash on hand to handle a thousand dollar emergency. Right. And so that's one of the very first things that we get you on board is automating that uh, that savings for, to build up that cash reserve fund. Now, after you got the capital on hand and you're contributing to the bro fund, right? Shout out to leverage because you're now contributing. You have the opportunity to get your business invested in. And of course, you know, to reap all the benefits there. Right. So um, let's say you you putting in your thousand and now you have access to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Hypothetically speaking. Um, and then, of course, the next thing is, is the education, as we kind of mentioned earlier, is that business development, right? How to sharpen your business model, how to hone your business model. Um, that education is there. And then, of course, us in the organization, as we're having conversations back and forth in the app, 
um, you know, we can go over these things. And then of course that last piece is as a as a business owner right is the actual community of the bros so for example you're uh and this is a real life case study you're expanding your business right and you want to move down to atlanta but you're in let's say cleveland ohio um and you need boots on the ground to be able to go check out a commercial spot or to give you kind of intel on what the landscape looks like you can reach out to one of the bros on the contact list boom you can make it happen get boots on the ground so really from those three elements of the financial capital piece, right? Help you develop your own cash reserve and your own capital. So we've had bros who've uh, put down their first down payment on their first home or bros who've lost their job and had to draw from their bro fund or bros who've, uh, you know, had an unexpected education expense, bros who've, you know, paid off debt or bros who've even invested in other opportunities, right? Because they've had, you know, they were outside of bro because they had that cash on hand. And that's totally fine. That's exactly what we're here for. Anytime that somebody's, you know, withdrawing from their the bro fund, it means that, you know what I'm saying, they had something that they, you know, needed to handle. And the fact that we were able to have that there for them is a testament to the viability of it. So cash reserve, education and resources, and then also uh, the community. And I say education and resources because not only do we have education, but the resources come in to where, for example, if we're vetting some companies right um as an organization right as as an entire group then after that work is done you have access to that data as a member of bro capital so we vetted and you know a hundred plus of the best etfs right you know we got that spreadsheet now you have access to that because you're a member um and then of course going back to you as a shareholding member because you're a smart man who can identify an opportunity you've now got equity in bro capital you are uh, entitled to dividend share, um, you know, at the end of the fiscal year, and then also revenue share opportunities with the various businesses that we're building. So that's equity as a first owner, right? So people often ask, so what's the first thing that you invest in, you know, when you're investing in bro capital? As a shareholding member, first thing you're investing in is bro capital itself. And then of course that entitles you to those dividends at the end of the fiscal year, if they're, you know, surplus of revenue. And then of course, um, at the very at the very end of it all, having that opportunity for revenue share to where if you're developing a business within Bro Capital, um, an idea and taking that to the marketplace, and it's something that's inside the fold, you have opportunities for revenue share off of that opportunity. So, um, yeah, man. And then of course you I had know, a, the know. opportunity to sell merchandise like this hat here and get your cut off that as well. So, uh, yeah, man, just create <laughs> opportunities for the bros to. You know, just to, to to get money again, man. It's about just facilitating that interaction, not necessarily leading it, but however y'all want to play it. You know what I'm saying? We got the system set up that's gonna make it happen. Right. And I'm gonna so, uh, I'm gonna piggyback, um, piggyback off that. Yeah, itself. I was gonna say tell your story. Yeah, I'm gonna tell my own personal story as a user, man, and a, a co-owner of Bro Capital. Of you know what Bro Capital has done for me and what it means for me, and and what Roz was really speaking on. Man, he kind of touched on every single form of capital, those eight form of capitals that, you know, bro capital is really, you know, built upon. When, and I'm, and I'm kind of just going to go through each one and kind of explain how, you know, each one has impacted me. Um, a lot of us, we tend to focus on, you know, two of them, you know, that material and that, that, that financial. But, um, you know, bro capital has been so much more to me outside of those things. Yeah, you know, I've been able to, you know, create a, a nice little savings, you know, within the broke fund. Um, as well as, you know, create, help create and curate, you know, 
um, material assets um, utilizing, bro, man. But I want to really talk about the, the intellectual, you know, capital that bro capital brings to me, man. When I'm when I'm on these calls weekly, right? I'm on the calls with some intelligent brothers, man. Like from Rise to DQ to B Dub to BT, man. Like every time I'm on a call with them. And they really get to spitting and really spitting their knowledge, man. My knowledge increases that much. You feel me? So we really have that that environment where we transcend each other. Yeah, we like minded, but we still have different perspectives that we come to the table with and we share our different perspectives and we transcend to really that golden perspective, man. So that intellectual capital that's stored within there, that expertise within our each one of our industries, man, really just uplifts us and empowers us from a social you know, construct, man, like just the social networking and just us coming together as bros, as brothers, man, it, it's, it means so much, man. Like when, when, you know, you step out into, you know, this world and when you step out into corporate America, you really are the only one that is draining. It's taxing. You know, you, you, you constantly, you know, find yourself in spaces like, am I adequate? Am I enough? Right. You, your, your, your confidence, you know, gets depleted. Right. And, and, you know, as as any type of, you know, vessel, any type of person on this world, if you don't have confidence, man, you really a misfit in society. So when we have our meetings, when we have our all membership calls, when we have our operational meetings, when we're tapping in with each other, you know, every week and just saying, yo, bro, how are you? You feel me? That's truly empowering. It, it's, it, it refuels me. It refuels us such that we can really go out here and really continue to build for our people. And that also, you know, steps on to just the spiritual aspect, man. I'm real big on energy, right? Real big on energy. And we, we're not, you know, we're not um, energy vultures to each other, right? We don't soak each other's energy. We don't kill each other's energy, man. We, we revive each other's energy. And we just really just keep that joint kind of, kind of moving, kind of going. And just the overall culture, bro, is, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a culture of, of respect. It's a culture of love and it's a culture of, hey, we're going to build this thing slow. We're going to build this thing steady. We're going to build this thing sustainable. And then also like hitting on just that last form of capital of experimental. Right. Bro allows, you know, the creators just to, to get jiggy with it, to experiment, you know, to, to launch MVPs, to launch merch. You feel me to to launch um, the black man's library and really be able to play with it, to curate it such that it fits us, man. And, it's just a it's just a playground of you know the eight forms of capital that's really that's truly empowering man and bro like it's so much more than the money it's so that's much fire. more than the money to me it's really just cool so yeah that's, fire. that's amazing can you, can you explain to me the black man's library that's something i was interested in you know um a bibliophile myself what is the black men's library man so the black men's library is something that we actually just launched this this month and it's really um a space for you know black men to come together and take a deep dive into the blueprints that our ancestors left us man currently right now we're on our first book uh marcus um the the philosophy and opinions of uh, marcus garvey and, and really we're just coming together as men just to to go back into that history to get those pieces of history such that we can pay for it the future man and it's it's that's that's essentially what it is it's a forum it's a it's a forum it's a group for us to dive in and get that that blueprint from our people. Okay, oh, yeah. that's dope, and that's a great book to start with. Um, I read that book. I, I, it's funny. you really can't say you read that book. I've read the book, but I always go back to it to read specific passages. Like it's one of those things where you don't read it one time. That's not one of those books you read one time. Yeah, yeah. See, he he laid the blueprint down. He's a real blueprint. 
Yeah, man. Listen, this is this is amazing, man. This has been an amazing conversation, man. I'm like, I'm like beaming with pride, like listening to you guys. I love <laughs> right. what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like you guys are doing everything the right way, man. But tell me about the future of Bro Capital. Like, are you going to captain the number of members, or what's the future look like for Bro Capital from both of your perspectives? And Ross, you can start us off. I was about to say, man, that's a uh, that's a that's a great question. Um, and you know, as one of the founders of Bro Capital. I certainly, uh, you know, came into Bro Capital with a particular vision, but at the same time, I, I made sure that I've been open and flexible to allowing it to grow. And you know what I'm saying? And when the bros get their hands on it, right, are able to just run with it and take it um, in, in that same direction. But you know what I'm saying? It may be a little two clicks to the left or something like that, but still understanding that, that we're going in the same place. Um, but if for for bro capital into the future, man, uh, and, and will we cap it? The question, so the question around will we cap it? We will be capping shareholding membership. So shareholding membership will not always be available. And I'm actually excited that you know I get to share this information. You know, shout out to the exclusive on the by the hood platform. Um, is that shareholding membership and bro capital will not always be available, and it's projected that shareholding membership those spots for shareholding membership will be filled by the end of this year so like i said we already at 40 uh there are nine spots left for shareholding membership oh okay you're getting um, close to that yeah yeah we're getting close to that but but of course right going back to um our origin and our founding it was we originally came in the game as thinking that we were going to be an investment club but we found that um, according to SEC regs, investment clubs only hit, you know, after you hit 100 members, that 101st member, you're no longer considered an investment club. You're something completely different. Right. And so we're we decided that, no, we are not an investment club. We're moving away from that investment club uh, designation because we still see the opportunity for our members to grow beyond that. And so really, Bro Capital, as I mentioned, is an international organization right now we are an international financial brotherhood if you will um right now or i'll say a capital brotherhood to be more specific um but i think kind of like you know taking inspiration from y'all and shout out to what y'all are doing and how y'all have been able to have such a magnificent presence in philly right because y'all know that area y'all know those people right y'all know the history and so for broke capital it's really and coming upon us to have more of a hyper-local focus. So as I mentioned, we have hubs across the country. Um, and now, you know, having that groundswell in these different areas to speak to, right, the real estate opportunities that are in Cleveland, to speak to the the uh, the real estate opportunities that are in Arizona, or to speak to, you know, the farming opportunities in Natchez, Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? Where we've been gotcha. right now. So being able to um to just be more entrenched in those communities that's that's really where we're going so to really have a um uh, a franchise chapter model and that goes into again where yeah you can join bro capital right as a company right now but into the future and most likely after this year right because there's only nine spots left you'll have to join bro capital atlanta you'll have to join bro capital los angeles you won't be able to join right the, the the original founding group so that'll be reserved so 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 long story short man um 
hyper local, you know what I'm saying? Being very targeted, giving folks that boutique, you know, this is my city experience. That's what we're looking for. That's dope. And if, uh, Terrence, what's your perspective on what you see for the future? Man, what I see from for the future is, you know, kind of piggyback on what Ross said, man, is having really these 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 different hubs really be able to build out, you know, those eight forms of capital for themselves to come back to the actual collective, man. And and my vision is always set and the people's vision, man, is is really, you know, honing on and, and, and providing and servicing what the people need. So, you know, grow capital is going to go wherever the people cause it to go, because that's why we was formed. Right. We was formed to service the need. Um, so, man, that's 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 my vision. And my vision is always scale. My vision is to really, you know, just you know, blow this up and, and really just create, you know, a vessel for everybody to get to, you know, economic sustainability in whatever form that that needs to be. I think I think uh, T-Y, that's a great point, man, that you made that um, speaks to two facets of broke capital. Right. That first facet, as you mentioned, is that we were developed as a solution to a pervasive problem within our community. So, however, that problem continues to evolve broke capital will evolve right alongside with it, right? Because that was the purpose for us. But then on the flip side, right? Taking it out of that that pathos, taking it out of this is, uh, you know, um, really our heart's desire, right? To see this work being done and to see the effects of this work, taking it to a more cognitive side and just hardcore business science. Yeah, man, we got to keep the flexibility um, and not become a behemoth organization to where we're bogged down and we can't make pivots according to what the market presents to us. And so that was another thing that uh, made Bro Capital different. And shout out to us for, you know, touching this four year mark is that, um, you know, we came into the game totally from a scientific perspective, understanding that, yeah, we had some assumptions, but we're not going to move off these assumptions and these hypotheses until they're validated. And then beyond that, if we find some converse information that invalidates everything that we previously thought we knew, we're going to be flexible enough and have a, enough growth mindset to be able to go ahead and re-examine things. So um, to Terrence's point, to T-White's point, man, that, that's, you know, yeah, us being flexible into the future as an institution. And I'll say that again, we are an institution, right? And that's the language that... Um, I, I, you know, from the from the studies, right? That's the language that gets people excited. You know, is the fact that in our time, to where companies are being built for a five year turnaround, two year turnaround, and everything is ephemeral. Yesterday it was Vine, today is TikTok, right? People understanding that bro capital is going to be here for the next hundred years, and we really building it for a hundred years and beyond. That I think that you know, as an anchor, as a social anchor, gets them excited, uh, but also to the other financial institutions in the space that have been around for 200 years that have taken blood money from the slave trade, taken blood money from, you know, the indigenous people on this, uh, the soil over here on this continent um, and on other continents as well. Right. When they hear this institution, they like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Rico from uh, big head Rico from belly. They don't like that. <laughs> so they know, they really know that we here, especially, you know, we talking this institution language. We, you know, we're not an investment club. We're not just a hedge fund. We're not a VC firm. Like, no, we are a financial institution and we're totally flipping the model on his head. Um, as T white mentioned earlier, like, of course, traditional capitalism, right. Um, is, you know, 
I'm here and then I got workers here, right? Once we have that cooperatively owned and operated and we both here, right? The people who own it are also the people who are working it, are also the people who are using it. Then mm-hmm. that's when it becomes much more of a, you know, traditional indigenous cycle and, tra- you know, traditional way of just doing things. Man, that's ill. Listen, man, again, um, what you guys are doing are amazing, man. We want to make sure that we definitely highlight you and follow what you're going to build um, now and 100 years from now. Um, right. But before we go, I got to ask you guys this question, man. Um, I want each of you to give me a book that has inspired you along your journey. And we're going to start with you, T. White. What is a book? And I, I mean, I, you know, I know you've read a gazillion books. You just talked about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Black Man's Library. But what is a book that has inspired you along your journey? Man, it's, it's the book that I'm currently reading right now, man. Um, Marcus Garvey, um, Marcus philosophy, Garvey. man, and, and and what's really why it's so empowering because every single text in that book is giving me the answers I've been asking for, <laughs> and giving me giving me the reason why these things are occurring the way that they are, man. And and, it, and it's so empowering. It's so empowering yeah. to find that you know that that answer to why. Because when you get that answer to why, you know what to do with it. So yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's that's an amazing that's an amazing uh body of work, and it just amazes me. Like when I read it, like yo, he gave us the answers a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, like, literally a hundred years ago, he gave yeah, us the answers. Yeah, yeah, we were sitting there still looking, but the answers are right here. Right, same question to you. What's a what's a uh, book or text or something that has inspired you along your journey? Man, uh, that's man, that's like you say, just one. That's really. You can give a couple. You can give a couple. Give a couple of your favorites. Um, well, I, well, with that, I got to start off with uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X for sure. Yes. That was definitely. Um, I read that when I was like seventeen. I ate pork since. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and also, also that that was you know I wrote about um, Elhaj Malik Shabazz for my essay into Morehouse College and end up graduating on May 19th uh, in 2013, right? His birthday. Cool. So it was a full circle moment. So I got to say the autobi- autobiography of Malcolm X first. Um, there's another book called Quantum Success that was, uh, it's like a it's like a little known book. And it was actually a lady from Ohio. I think she's from like Avon or something like that. But Quantum Success was a, uh, was really major because the way she broke it down. I also got a shout out um Science of Self Volume One. Shout out to Dr. Supreme Understanding. Um Science of Self Volume One is a, is an amazing book. It really breaks down like all these different quantum theories and ideas and then like really just makes them it puts them in plain English. Um I wanna say another book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um that was hard. Yeah, that, that was one that you know, and, and it's one like you say you can go back to. You don't, you know, what I'm saying you don't just read it one time because my man's was spitting real heavy, and, and like you don't really catch it until you get into those situations, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You're like, oh, that's what he was talking about with the yep. high ground. Okay, I got it now. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and then I want to say uh, two more would be the community of self by Dr. Naeem Akbar um, and just the power of the will that really uh, that, that really blew my mind. And then uh, the last one, man, I would say, um, 
I would say the 12 universal laws of success. Okay. That's a good one. You feel me? And then the, the very, very last one is the science of getting rich by Waddles. <laughs> 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 you got you guys <laughs> yeah, that's listen, man. You know me. I love that, man. Have you guys decided what the next book is for your uh for um the Black Man's Library? Paranomics. Yo, it's crazy. I, I was trying to set it up to tell them. I was trying to set you up to say, listen, y'all should do paranomics. I, I would yeah. love to hear your perspective. I, I, see, I saw him rolling, I saw him, I saw him rolling it down there for y'all, but you caught it right away. Yeah. Listen, anybody who listens to our show or watches the show knows that, like, I um listen, I study. Dr. Claude Anderson, and that is my single favorite text. That that, and it sounds cliche, but that's a book that changed my life. That that led me on my journey. So, I was going to suggest that, but you already on it. We book on. Is too sharp. Let me ask you another question. <laughs> Last question before we get you out of here, man, because you guys have accomplished a lot already in life. Um, we love the institution that you're building. Uh, I can't wait to see this thing sprawl up across the country because our brothers need it and. It's also um, proof. It's also proof that listen, we can build together. We can build institutions together. We do work together, and there are a lot of us out there doing the work. Don't believe the stereotypes. With that being said, um, in your journey, what is the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome? And Ross, I'll start with you. Like, what's a hurdle that you had to overcome? But you know, you you see yourself on the other side of it. Uh, man. So it, it, it's a story of get to college it really so and it, and it's kind of you know this is really a, a major piece of my story okay get to college i got a 4.0 my freshman year uh like first semester and second semester right because i i went there uh without scholarship dollars so i'm doing my best to you know get the scholarship up right so my dad don't have to pay out of pocket anymore right because you feel me that's extremely expensive so um, working on getting the scholarship and shout out to, I went to college in 2008. So the economy tanked. So a lot of these corporate scholarships that were available a couple years before have dried up because they don't have any surplus to be given to the students. Right. So my dad, he calls me, man, I'm in class and I'm up here. And, and as many people would tell you, like the hardest thing about college is paying for it. It's not the actual class. You know what I'm saying? If you go to class, mm -hmm. you work, you read, like it's simple, you know what I'm saying? But the hardest thing for many people is paying for it. And so um, at that particular time, my dad, instead of, you know, paying for my school, he decided that, you know, he he wanted a new Cadillac. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm up here figuring out, I'm like, man, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, you know, from that, um, I had already been working at NASA for like, uh, since I was 17. So I'm about, let's say, 19 years old right now right been working at nasa since i was 17 got the news when i'm 19 this is like my first semester of sophomore year right and um so i'm like man what am i gonna do what am i connect shout out to a black man i've had some man i've had some great black men along the way as far as like mentors and like teachers and coaches and all that good stuff so shout out to all the black men who have helped me along the way one of my guys dr antoine moss um, he was like, yo, I got an opportunity for you to work at NASA. I hadn't even told him that my dad, you know, or, or that my, my, my situation as far as my finances was really messed up at the time. I hadn't told him any of that. Right. And so he offered me the opportunity. So I started working at NASA. I took time off of school, right. To work at NASA full time for six months from July, 2010 to January of 2011, saved up all the ducats that I could possibly save up. 
and then um, took loans out to get back in school. But the funny thing is, once I got back in school, which a lot of people didn't think I was coming back because Morehouse has a terrible retention rate, just to be totally honest with you, mm -hmm. um, as far as black men, you know, coming there, but not necessarily finishing. So when I left, you know, and they was able to come back, um, I think, you know, and just that story of like, you know, and so getting that experience at NASA allowed me and my brother to take that logistics knowledge and flip it into uh, a transportation company. Right. And so I was able to not only, you know what I'm saying, in that time, take time off of school, right, get this NASA on my resume, get this experience under my belt, flip it into a business opportunity, but then still end up graduating. And the thing is, if I had graduated in 2012, I wouldn't have taken that entrepreneurship for business for non-business majors course, which means I wouldn't have had that class with Darius, which means that I wouldn't have been a million dollar scholar, which means that I wouldn't have you know, started Bro Capital way it did. So me taking that time off of school really actually like set up everything else. And I, you know, of course had to maintain, which easier said than done, maintain my positive attitude through the whole thing and not like, you know, be discouraged, beat myself up or, you know what I'm saying? Be upset at my dad because this and that. It's like, nah, like everything happened for the best you know, how am I going to leverage this situation to, to put me on top? And everything is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. all the dots connect in retrospect. So after taking that time off of school, man, just understanding that it really set me up for everything else. So long story short is that that taught me that even when things look crazy and everything look like it's crumbling, it's going to make sense down the line. So just keep moving forward, keep handling business, and it's all going to make sense later. So that's my story. Taking time off of school, you know, financial hardship, but kind of set up the rest of my twenties. Yo, shout out to pops for getting that caddy, man. I hope the caddy yeah, was fired. Right, right. That's an interesting story, man. And you guys, man, you all you all you bros are so like, um, you know, you, you're some smart gentlemen, and you're so humble. My man said, "Yeah, you not worked at NASA since I, he talked about it like it's just yeah. nothing, like you know." What like, I mean? yeah, like, like, that NASA, crazy. You know what I mean? I, I, you know what I mean? I'm I, I'm the first person who ever graduated from this program. <laughs> like y'all, y'all just so nonchalant with it. Y'all, y'all really accomplished dudes. Like y'all, yeah, y'all yeah. really accomplished people. And so, like I know, you know the, the other the other bros the founder. He's like a Gates Millennium Scholar, right? Two of the bros, the other two bros who uh were not able to be here with us today are Gates Millennium Scholars. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Like you guys, all you guys are accomplished, man. <laughs> T White, man. Let's get back to you, T White. What what has the, been the biggest hurdle or something that you had to overcome to get you to where you are today? And I mean, you probably you gave us a lot already, but I don't know yeah. if that was the biggest hurdle because um, you know, I can understand how that could be stress, stressful, like mentally, but is that your biggest hurdle or is it something else? My biggest hurdle is something I deal with every day, my guys. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. I was having a conversation with some friends a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I, I, I see and I understand, you know, you know, why the talented Tim did what they did. You feel me? You know, W.E.B. Du Bois really, really, you know what I'm saying? He came to a place in his life where he looked at the talented Tim and he was like, man, y'all, y'all, y'all didn't do what we were set out to do. And that was to educate ourselves such that we can go back and uplift the rest of our, you know, the rest of our race, the rest of our people. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of understand it because when you, when you get to a certain place, man, and when you build and the more assets and the more, you know, wealth and the more education to build, the more conservative that you get, the more, 
the more you get to a place that you want to preserve it and you don't want to jeopardize that. Right. And then when we look at, you know, just the historical context of, you know, a lot of our, you know, our leaders from, you know, Malcolm X and even what happened to, you know, Nipsey, you know, you know, last year it was his own people, you know what I'm saying? Our own people that, you know, kind of, you know, cut our lifeline off, man. So, you know, my biggest hurdle that I deal with every day, man, is, is just the fear that through my love of trying to go back and really helping my people to help build for my people, that it would be my own people that bring my own destruction. And yeah, I talk to my girl about this every week. And she says, Terrence, you got to stop putting that out into the air. You got to stop putting that out into the air. But it's it's a real reality, man. Like, I know y'all, you know, y'all try to go help, you know, a cousin out or a friend out. You feel me? There's been times where, you know, they, they really kind of compromise you and kind of not just on compromise you, compromise everything that you kind of built, right? And you have to go back and, and, and build that strength. It was like, all right, man, like, yeah, I got yeah. to make this work. Because <laughs> if we don't make this work. I, 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 I appreciate you sharing it. I, I really do appreciate you sharing that because, like, um, if someone says they don't have those thoughts, they're lying, right? Because, um, and me and Corey talk about this, like, we, we could take what we do and just go off into the sunset and never talk to anyone. But it's yeah, always like keeping, keeping, yeah, keeping that goal in mind and keeping that focus in mind of the people that we want to help and understanding the situation um, on a macro level and what needs to be done, man. So I really appreciate you sharing that because that's 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 real. That's real. Um, yeah, people, man, we deal with so much. We deal with so much trauma. We deal with so yeah. much trauma. Trauma comes out, bro. Like yeah, man. I, and, I and the last thing. I, I know I, I know I said that was my last question. I got one more question. It's because I, I heard his name mentioned several times on this talk we had. I want to know what Nipsey meant to you guys, because both of you mentioned Nipsey throughout this interview. And um, it's just interesting to hear that. And, you know, so what did he mean to you in terms of what you're building? Um, you know, the generation that you guys are a part of. What did Nipsey mean to you, uh, Ross? I'll start with you, because I heard his name a couple of times. Yeah, man, you got me about to. You know, shed tears out here, man. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, real talk, because it's so funny. Because I, you know, that was one of the things that, um, you know, Nipsey's untimely passing really had me realize. I didn't realize how much bro meant to me until he was no longer here. And so mm -hmm. I got hit to Nipsey back in two thousand eight, right? He's, you know, right in line with my Morehouse story of seeing, you know, around all these other black men from the country, and we bringing our music down. So it's two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I'm from Cleveland. I'm bringing the kid Cuddy. You know what I'm saying? My homies from D.C., they talk about Wale. And my other homies, they from L.A., they talking about Nipsey Hustle. <clears throat> so I start listening to Nip's music, and I'm like, man, this is the perfect balance of get money, gangster rap, as well as, you know, resistance rap. I'm like, man, this dude is obviously smart, and he can rap. And um, Mailbox Money in 2014 was the album that came out right when we were building... Um, million dollar scholar and experiencing what led to the creation of bro capital so that music of mailbox money and equity is the highest form of business and how much did you gross and you know the people that the main quote the people that create the business models right the business model innovation not product innovation business model innovation will be the ones that that rule the future um when we launched bro capital 
Slawson Boy 2 came out, right? So Ocean Views was on there and just just how he was just be talking about equity and, you know what I'm saying, business. Like, I never heard, even Jay-Z is folks, you know, Harold Jay-Z is this uh, major business mind. Hove didn't really get into the language and the jargon of business. You know what I'm saying? He'll talk about hustling, right? And he'll talk about these principles and concepts, but he wasn't talking about equity in songs. You know what I'm saying? And these deals that he was making and so on and so forth. So, um, shout out to B Dub again, who's not here right now, but he actually got a chance to take a picture with Nipsey in a bro cap. Um, you know, back when he was visiting New York on a press run or whatever. But yeah, man, Nip, and it's so crazy because uh, when I got the news, you know, what I'm saying I had just finished um, Tech Groove, which is a, a bro and company company, which is one of the investments of Bro Capital, right? Tech Groove had just finished our second day event. And so I'm I'm sitting down, opening up my computer. I'm like, finally, I get to take a load off. Then I open up my computer and I see the news about Nip. And I just immediately got a pain in my left knee. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting down, but it was like, I didn't know what to do. And I just felt pain in my knee. Like, man, this has really hit me. So, and it was, it was so crazy because Nip really, he inspired all of the black men in my circle. Um, even those who aren't in bro capital to reach out to one another and be like, bro, man, I love you. Like, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? We never know when it's going to be that time. We always think we got more time, but I just wanted to hit you up and tell you, you know what I'm saying? Keep going. I love you. You know what I mean? It was like, yo, back at you, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, man, just to be totally honest with you, man, Nip, Nip meant a lot. And I think he, I you could know, tell both of you guys have brought him up throughout this talk. So I already knew yeah. what it was. That's why I asked the question T. T White. Yeah. Um, what did it mean to you? Man, Nip, man, he was a symbol. And what I mean, he was a symbol. He was a symbol for love for your community, love for your people, and love for your craft, man. And I really didn't really start honing into, you know, all aspects of Nipsey until after his death, right? Just listening to, you know, Lauren London, listening to the people around him and the different stories, man. I just really start seeing, you know, a, a connection, a true connection, and just from his vibrations of how he treated his people, how he treated his girl, how he treated his his kids, how he treated his community how he hustled on that on that on that corner and created his own store you feel me because during that time where you know nipsey was actually i remember the night he was killed um my girl she she uh woke me up and she just started crying and i'm like yo girl why are you crying and she was like because you know what i'm saying you know this could happen to you as well because me and my cousin i actually just launched our our own brick and mortar store you feel me? Mm -hmm. Trying to you know, get back and trying to, you know, to rock for the community. You feel me? And when, you know, she woke me up that night, I just felt his spirit. And I really just started honing in on him and his whole mentality. And man, and, and, and right, he got me just listening to him, listening to his music, listening to, you know, his stories. He really got me through a lot last year, man. So, you know, that's, 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 it's, it's, it's more so his spirit and how he treated the people around him and what he did for his community that really, really empowers me when it came to Nipsey. Man. Yeah, man, I could tell just through the interview and the way you guys mentioned him. That's what made me want to ask that question, man, and, and rest in power to Nipsey, man. Um, yeah. Man, this has been an amazing talk, man. That's been an amazing talk, man. Corey, before we get out of here, anything you want to say to the bros? I appreciate y'all sharing the way y'all did, man. You know, y'all, y'all, as you know, Y'all are humble, accomplished folks. Like, and humility is something I don't do. I, I think humility is stupid. Mm -hmm. But y'all 
y'all epitomize what it means to to do what you need to do and do it in a way that makes people feel comfortable doing it with you. You know what I mean? No, Instead man. of trying, trying to trying to work against you, you know, because you know it's a lot of people out here doing some amazing stuff, but you know. The way they going about it is is really hard for them to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish because of the way they're trying to accomplish it. And for for y'all to be accomplishing the things that y'all are accomplishing and the way that y'all accomplish it, is accomplishing it is absolutely amazing. And listen, I, I'm I'm opposite. I love the humility because uh, it was Walter Payton. Walter Payton says, "When you're good, you gotta let everybody know. But when you're great, other people will let other everybody else know." You know what I'm yeah. saying? So when you're doing great things. People are gonna let everybody else know what you're doing, man. And you guys are, are accomplishing great things, man. And you're building together, which is very important for the folks to see that you know black men can come together and create it as he as Ross says, an institution. <laughs> this isn't a hedge fund, it's an institution. Don't you guys forget that? This is an institution, right? So um man, listen, we, we want to wish you guys much success. We're gonna follow your journey, man. You always um have a platform in us, man, and we're going to continue to build together. And anything we can do to help you, brothers, you know, Rosh, you know how to yeah. reach us, man. Um, okay, you know we so got, got you, man, yeah, you, yeah. you. You got that. You got that inside ring. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you got the bat, you got the bat line, man, because we want to make sure, that, man, we that you guys are successful in what you do because, you know, you're going to help thousands and thousands of other families, and that's our objective. So we believe in um, collaboration over competition. So any way we can help you guys grow. That's what we're about, man. Just want to say thank you for your time as well. Thank you. Um, and thank you, folks out I, there I watching, say, listen. Say, before we get off, Go man, ahead. is that you know I, I got to shout out what y'all are doing. You feel me, Corey, Jimmy? The fact that y'all are again two black men coming together, right, building this platform and the growth that y'all experienced just over the past year alone, man. I got to shout that out and major appreciate you, bro. Y'all and everything y'all got going on, thank man. You. I'm looking up to y'all. Real, for real, man. Much respect. And again, you feel me publicly? Shout out to Corey for guiding me through. Y'all need to check out By the Hood University. Uh, a lot of good content there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. Listen, that's what we're about, man. Helping each other grow, man, and, and, and continue to do what you do, man. We're going to make sure that we share the information to the folks within the description about so they can look up and get some info on Bro Capital um, and see what you guys got going on and any sort of social media links that you want us to share. We're going to make sure we share that. But, okay. um, you know, Ross, appreciate you. T. White, T. White, man. Um, appreciate you, bro. And I thank you for being so transparent, man, and sharing those stories because, man, I know a lot of people are going to be able to relate to some of the, um, you know, stress and things you go through in your space, man. So I appreciate you being very transparent. Really um, and to our, yeah, no doubt, man. To our folks watching and listening, man, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.